Welcome to Showboys, a podcast that delves into the world of film and TV. Hosts Nick and Mike take their water cooler talk from the office to the web as they discuss their favorite movies, shows, and all other content in between. In this week's episode, the boys take a trip up to Toronto and fight their way through the greatest love story to come out of 2010. From a singing pirate to a skateboarding action star, a vegan bass battle to a hipster sword fight of the ages, and a tall tale of self-respect and learning how to love, this movie has it all. So, what's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? Welcome to another episode of Showboys. My name is Mike, and I'm joined as always by my good friend Nick. How are you doing tonight, Nick? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Michael? I am pleased as punch. I'm so excited about tonight's episode. Pleased I would say as you punch. have no idea, but you very much do have an idea of how excited I am. I have enough of an idea to suggest we do this. <laughs> yes. Uh, before we get into the episode, we just want to get a few things out of the way. Um, still need, still need those sweet, sweet YouTube subscribers. Um, so if you can, it's free, so you should be able to, you have no excuses. Um, you know, head over to our YouTube page, um, subscribe, click the notification bell, uh, really helps us out having those subscribers. And uh, also, you will help us get a nice, fancy, custom URL, which is what we really want. Um, but yeah, and plus, it's a nice, easy way for you to always be notified whenever we upload a new episode, because all of our episodes, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and the other assorted platforms for podcasting, we also upload our episodes on YouTube as well. Um, so check us out. Please subscribe. Um, we are also to help with um, all of our random social media platforms and podcast uh, listening platforms. Uh, we have a link tree page, which is, uh, I'll post this on our Facebook and um, Instagram and, and kind of share it around. Um, it, but it's a nice handy page that has links to all of our pages in one handy spot so um yeah it'll, it'll be nice i think and easy um yeah other than that we, we got anything else we gotta get out of the way nick no sir let's dive into it all right so uh yeah we were wondering what to talk about tonight and uh by some miraculous uh, like divine appointment straight from the Lord. Nick was like, why don't we talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world? And I about had a heart attack because 
anyone who knows me knows that like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is probably my favorite movie of all time. Um, actually, on our 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 episode where we talked about our top three movies, it was on my list. Talked about it briefly there. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much uh, like the uh, the leader of the Church of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and I intend to convert all of you savage animals uh, to the way of Scott Pilgrim tonight. You have no I'm, choice. Yeah, I'm glad that you're in charge of that church. I'd like to see you push it a little more and actually gain some followers. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. It's, it's not easy. Um, but, yeah, what what kind of made you want to uh, talk about it tonight? So it's been, one, you talk about it whenever you possibly can, Um Two, it's been on my Netflix watch list for quite some time. So as soon as I saw it added to Netflix, I added it to my watch list. And it's just been one of those movies that's just been seemingly getting you know very far down my watch list. I had to go pretty far to find it. Um, so I was happy to <laughs> check and move a item off of my watch list, um, which keeps slowly growing, um, yeah, it, unfortunately. It, it, it... It never gets shorter, that's for sure. Yeah, it really bugs me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, and then also, I mean, you've explained it a couple times in short. Obviously, you didn't want to ruin anything, and I don't think you did. You do a really good job of not ruining that movie for everyone that is just completely ignorant of it. But, disclaimer, we are about to ruin that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah good, good, good call there, because I was about to be like, well, I'm glad that I did that for you, but I'm about to like ruin it for everyone else. Um, so here's your chance, um, as much as we'd love for you to listen to this entire episode. If you have not seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, uh, I would recommend... Pause. The Go movie watch is... it on Netflix. <laughs> right. It's on Netflix. Uh, you can get it anywhere. You can rent video. Um, but, I mean, the movie's 10 years old, so um, I feel like I shouldn't have to say spoiler alert, but... We're going to spoil the crap out of this movie, so please watch it if you haven't already, and come back and listen to the rest of this episode. With that out of the way, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was I was actually thinking about this the other day after you started watching The Boys, and at, honestly, after Cody uh, started watching it as well and he was texting me about it. Um, I try really hard to make you guys want to watch some of these things but also it's really hard because i don't want to like give away what makes it so great in my eyes uh and in particular with um scott pilgrim excuse me um part of what made this movie so amazing to me in the first place is how like completely caught off guard i was when i saw it so like i kind of didn't want to reveal too much of the story and everything to you because I kind of was hoping that you might have a similar, you know, uh, experience watching it, uh, except I did tell you about it and told you how much I love it. So, like, just so everyone knows, when I saw this movie, my wife and I uh, saw it at a discount theater in our area. We used to have a 
a theater that would show movies for like a dollar to a dollar fifty a ticket um and movies would go there after they uh quit running in our our regular theater uh so we would go there quite often because it was you know you know up to maybe three dollars for a date night and you know that's amazing uh but we were looking for something to watch one day and i love michael Sarah and saw that he was in scott pilgrim vs. the world and i knew nothing about the movie at all except for michael Sarah was in it so i was like hey let's go see this so she agreed and yeah just like sit down in theaters and after like the first 15 minutes of the movie i was like what is this this is the most crazy like off the wall I don't even like really know uh, like what other adjectives I could use to describe it. But um, yeah, it was just such a, a pleasure to get to experience this movie in theaters and not knowing a single thing about it when I first originally watched it. But um, how, how'd you feel about it? I mean, I think it does a very, I enjoyed it and it does, it does a very good job at, I think guiding you to ultimately what happens, you know, like second act kind of thing where the movie kind of really picks up, you know, with all the different things that they do at the beginning. So at the beginning, it is kind of weird because there's all these cool elements, but it's this seemingly weird story that starts off and you're kind of piecing together what's going on. Um, but it just kind of keeps building on itself in a very um, leapy kind of way, you know. As <laughs> yeah. soon as you kind of you kind of <laughs> understand what the movie's doing, it will just like leap forward in a natural way, though. Like it makes sense yeah. with what with what it sets up. Yeah. So before we go any further, uh, I'll just give you a, a like one sentence synopsis I found of the movie. Um, it stars Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim, a slacker musician who must win a competition to get a record deal and battle the seven evil exes of his newest girlfriend, Ramona Flowers, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So, <clears throat> yeah, so basically the premise of this movie, we have Scott who is in a band like a, a crappy, your, your typical crappy local punk band. Uh, and they're trying to like do what every crappy local band wants to do, and that is get a record deal. So, um, yeah. So it, it opens up with Scott and and um, I would I get I think it's their vocalist house. Um, they're all sitting around the table talking about Scott's new girlfriend, who actually at the time is not Ramona Flowers. It's Knives Chow, uh, a high schooler, and it kind of like starts and, and plays out for the first 10, 15 minutes. Like your, your typical Michael, Sarah, like college I mean, that's, type that's, comedy kind of, wouldn't you? That's the first kind of like subversion it does where it's like, he's probably lying about having a girlfriend. That's what they're setting up there. And all, all the way to the point where she he says her name, you're like, oh, yeah, he is for sure just lying about having a girlfriend. <laughs> and then, no, she's a real person. Yeah. And uh, 
the thing I love about the the character of Scott Pilgrim is it's like such a stark contrast of what you typically see Michael Sarah play, which is the like dopey, bumbling, like self conscious, like dork, you know. That's but not what in, he's playing in this but movie. In this, no, in this movie he's like <laughs> he's like confident and like charming and like um yeah it's just like a i mean he's still like an idiot but like not like the um introverted um like unsure of himself type you know Um, yeah it's it's a weird blend because i i I would still say he is unsure of himself but he does have like a weird confidence about who he is still yeah uh, that's weird. It, it's it, it's pretty great um but about i i think i want to say it's about 10 to 15 minutes in the movie um you know it's it's just kind of playing out as your typical comedy type movie and then like you get to the the scene um at at the rocket uh, the the first stage of the battle of the bands where scott pilgrim uh it's no. about the 25 minute mark is it 25 minutes okay yes. um it's a uh, sex bomb you know playing up against uh clash and the boys and uh in the middle of the sex bomb song some some dude just comes like flying through the roof of the the venue and like challenges scott to a fight and um yeah it you just basically have like a street fighter tekken style arcade fight in the middle of this movie um at r- randomly out of nowhere that like you know completely takes you off guard and then what to take it a step further like in the middle of this random street fighter fight uh it breaks out into like a musical <laughs> it's just like the whole time I'm just, I'm just sitting there like, what am I watching? This is so crazy. Yeah, because I was thinking back on you know you know your story about how you encountered this movie, and that for sure is that that experience lends itself a lot to really define a movie. I think because I mean I have movies or even shows like that um, where you're just kind of a bliss for the first part of it and then all of a sudden like something happens that just blows your mind as to (laughs) what you're watching and i i I have a similar experience like attack on titan you know by episode two or three it's just kind of like a regular anime thing happening and then all of a sudden they just start stacking things plots onto you and you're (laughs) just like what am i watching right now yeah so um even though it takes up to 25 minute that 25 minute mark like you just said for the top to just blow off this movie and it to completely subvert any expectations that you might have had um it is an Edgar Wright movie so even up like even in that first initial 25 minutes where it kind of is playing out like your typical comedy um it does a lot of very amazing Edgar Wright things um where i mean the entire movie is presented as if you're reading like a manga or a graphic novel, like 
on a TV screen, if that makes sense. Like, I don't, I always have, I always struggle trying to describe this part of the movie, but the way the scene transitions work, um, the way that uh, they use the visuals of like sound effect, like words of the sound effects, like floating in the background and like the extreme cuts from one scene to the next and like the way that sometimes like the person transitions like from the same exact spot that they're standing in into the same exact spot just in a different setting or like it's basically like you're watching panels of a comic or a graphic novel like be acted out live in front of you including the awkward transitions that you find in graphic novels and um there's a lot of like video gameness like the the 8-bit 16-bit style of sound effects and even graphics that they put up on the screen um it's just there's so many like auditory and visual things that are just plainly like gorgeous i guess to like see and even though this movie was made like 10 years ago like the visuals still hold up and look like breathtaking honestly um but like how did you feel about all of those like little details? No, it, it does that so well um, because it is really well done to where it's within its, its limits for sure. Because, because it's going for that kind of like eight bit, you know, 64 bit kind of style. Um, it fits into what they're doing. And it's not the kind of special effects where, they're meant to be kind of flashy and look realistic. They actually kind of look like they would in a game. And I would kind of describe it as, you know, the the 60s Batman, you know, where the pows yeah, and, the, yeah. and the bangs. Yes, and then, that's exactly it. And then, so they do that, right, for just, like, different pieces. And even when they're, like, moving about, like, even where you wouldn't expect it, there's, like, weird, like, maybe Zs if someone's sleeping or, like, weird <laughs> yeah. As are trailing. They're real subtle, though, too. And it blends yeah. together all very well. It's um, so good because, like, I, I just haven't. I, I've I've watched a lot of movies that have been based from you know comics and stuff, but like, they just well. Okay, so I'll just read something I found here. Uh, Edgar Wright he cited Mario Bava's 1968 film Danger Diabolic. Um, which I think is an Italian film, which was an, ad- an adaptation of a comic series. And uh, he just said um, the Italian influence, a sense of completely unbridled imagination. They don't make any attempt to make it look realistic. And that I couldn't be, or I, I couldn't put it any other like way, any more accurate way where they don't, try to to make this movie seem grounded at all like they they go out of their way to make it seem as comic-y as possible and not even comic-y it's also very much video gamey um mm-hmm. because i'm kind of just like skimming through the first fight at, at the concert hall against you know the pirate guy ex-boyfriend yeah. and so like even when he first like punches him and whatever 
the words at the bottom of the screen flash reversal, right? As almost like a move or something. And then obviously they land back and it says versus kind of thing. So it yeah. has a real big video game setup too, which like you said, that kind of like Tekken style fighting it, you know, it's, you're watching that. Um, and even the way they move, it's, it's kind of 2d if you think yeah. about it. Yeah. It goes on. They, he goes on to say that, um, both Edgar Wright and Brian Lee O'Malley, who uh, wrote the uh, graphic novel series that the movie is based off of, uh, that it's merely the internal perspective of how Scott understands himself and the world. So that kind of like makes sense, as like you know how played up and video gamey it kind of seems because that's kind of like how Scott sees himself. Um, but yeah, back back to the the video game aspect. I would say it's like pretty much like split right down the middle, half and half, like between mm-hmm. comic and video game influences, and like Easter eggy like references and stuff. Um, but- I love, uh, sorry, uh, but that first fight scene when uh, Matthew Patel is the first evil ex boyfriend that comes bursting through the wall. Uh, when him and Scott are standing in their fighting stances like across from each other and it literally the camera is literally like uh, the start of a Street Fighter fight or whatever like it it says versus like you said right in the middle and the like the video gamey style graphic and uh, I don't know if you if you noticed but all the all the the fights that Wallace was there for like before they started fighting, he would yell "fight," kind of like yeah. at the start of a game. So it's just like everything about it, even down to when he defeats them and they like burst into coins and and uh, you know gives them like a point value and stuff. It's I, I don't know, so interesting. Well, Wallace is kind of like that narrator character or like sidekick that calls things out in like a comic <laughs> yeah. book, um, yeah. and then. I was gonna I was gonna add kind of about um so it's so like with the whole transitions thing. So obviously like the transitions from scene to scene or even within scenes is like really well done in this movie. Um but the way I would describe it is the movies and things where they kinda like do the whole like page pan to literally a different um tile in the comic book, right? And mm-hmm. then it's then the motion animation starts. So like that very literal trans you know transition it's basically that without the the extra literalness of moving from page to page so you strip the kind of you strip away the comic book aspect of it and you just place that in a real world setting and that's how they fit it in there so in that sense it's a little bit more realistic yeah yeah um so so like I said, this this is a movie that Edgar Wright um, adapted from the Brian Lee O'Malley graphic novel series. So um, Edgar Wright and uh, let me find his name. I forget who the, the other co-writer was. Michael Bacall. That's it. I always forget his name. Unfortunate. Um, but Wright and Bacall co-wrote this with uh, a lot of help. An input from Brian Lee O'Malley. Basically, uh, before the first 
issue of the graphic novel was released, the the publisher of the the novel um, kind of sought out an, a a film adaptation of the series, um, and I believe it was during Shaun of the Dead that Edgar Wright was kind of pitched this and like he fell in love with it and you know ran ran with it, but. Um, yeah, it, it's just another one of those amazing Edgar Wright films along with, you know, the likes of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, um, Baby Driver, which came out, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, it scored a seven and a half on IMDb and 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it actually was like very well received by the critics and uh, was nominated for several awards um but it kind of flopped at the box office which is super sad because like this movie is so criminally underrated uh and and you know that's kind of why i decided to found the church of scott pilgrim and to really spread the good news to all of you people um you, you guys need this in your lives it will change you well it Underperformed at the box office, says the guy who went and saw it at the Dollar Theater. <laughs> I know. But it, it kind of, I guess, falls into that category of like a cult classic, right? Correct. Yeah, that's exactly how I describe this. I mean, that's uh, I mean, that's what like Hot Fuzz and that kind of stuff is, too. It's just the style movie. Um, yeah. And I think I would have maybe watched it a little sooner if I knew that put the two and two together there. That it was, you know, the Hot Fuzz creator and all that series of movies. And so yeah. that's cool that it fits into that lineage. Yeah, um, but I mean, even outside of it being an Edgar Wright movie, like, just listen to this cast. Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Chris Evans, so like Captain America himself. Jason Schwartzman is an amazing actor. Mae Whitman, amazing. Kieran Culkin, ama- like Wallace, probably one of my favorite characters in this entire movie. Uh, we got Allison Pill, who is the drummer um, in the Sex Bombs. She's in a new FXX show called Devs, which is really amazing. Um, you got Anna Kendrick. You got Brie Larson. Um, you got Aubrey Plaza. And you got Brandon Routh. Like... That's a ton of am- amazing actors and actresses. Like I mean, right. you have you have Captain America, you have Anna Kendrick. You got the, they're small roles, but they're there. You got Superman from you know, Brandon Routh played Superman, and then you have freaking Brie Larson, and for some reason her her superhero is escaping me. Probably because I hated that movie. Um, yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah, that one. Captain know. Marvel. Captain Marvel. Um, two, cap- two captains and Superman. One thing I did not realize is that uh, Miss Winstead was in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, I mean, she was in like Final Destination movies. Right. She was in a season of Fargo. She was in. 10 Cloverfield Lane, like you said. Uh, she's been in, in quite a few things. Um, 
Excuse me. Got the got the tickle in the old throat ski. Let me take a drink of water here. Um But yeah. Um along with the the comic book and video gameness, uh another thing that I really loved about this movie was the musical aspect not like as in it's a musical like movie but uh the music that is in the movie is great and uh all the actors and actresses actually learned the instruments that they played in the movie and actually learned how to play the songs and even uh the song that clash that the demon head does uh black sheep that's brie larson actually singing Mm. um all the sex bomb songs that's actually uh steven still the actor who plays steven stills he's actually singing that the clash and the boys that song the guy who plays clash he's actually singing um which i thought was kind of a cool aspect that just adds another layer of like oh that's really cool yeah, it really puts all the all the characters in their roles pretty well, and kind of like on the musical front. Like, I mean, there was some cool. Uh, I like their band really. You know, they had a, <laughs> they had that they had that. I don't even know what that sound is, but um, it fit the role of their band in each of the battles, um, yeah. and how they kind of versed different musical types. Like the second group was kind of like a like a. Um, like a Daft Punk kind of thing, not exactly. Uh, the the but... Nagi twins—is that who you're talking about? Yeah, that I <laughs> I enjoyed that that duel, that battle of the bands a lot yeah. be, because of the way they <laughs> transformed the environment. And that's the other cool thing is that they transformed the environments for those battles into yeah. these much bigger kind of spectacles. Well, it and they don't... like. When that scene starts and they like you know hit their first chord on the keyboards and their giant wall of amps like the, all the sound waves and stuff like hit right the sex bombs and they like flip out but it also like literally blows the roof off of the place which there's a hole is in the hilarious. roof like, snow is coming down <laughs> they literally blew the roof off the venue yeah <laughs> uh, that is a great great scene though like. You got the the dragon, like serpent dragons coming out of their sound waves. Then, uh, you know, Scott, I I don't recall the exact pedal that he's using, but I want to say it's like similar to a a Bad Monkey Overdrive pedal. Uh, And I actually have a pedal like that, but I love how like he he hits that and then like the the big Yeti like comes out and he's like, yeah, the serpent dragons. And oh man. Yeah, there's there there are so many cool scenes like that. Like even the opening credits where they're just like you know, playing one of the Sex with Bomb songs and you have, you know, Steven, Scott and Kim playing their actual instruments and it's like the camera keeps, you know, zooming like moving backwards and it's just like they're in a really long version of their living room and you have young Neil and knives sitting on the couch, like watching just like even that, the, the sequence of the opening credits is amazing. And like everything else that follows is as equally impressive, you know? 
Yeah, right. And I mean, I yeah, that, the credits was really cool how they just kind of opened that up, like you said. And it kind of sets a tone there. And then they kind of just drop into very, very kind of boring Toronto, Canada. Um, not that Toronto, <laughs> Canada's boring, but the, yeah. the, their location where they set that movie up is you know, it's just like a bleak and yeah. where, like where and what does Wallace live in? Like a bunker on the side <laughs> of the road? Like, right. Like a, just a big closet. <laughs> yeah. Like... It's like a giant closet. <laughs> it looks like a bunker, but then on the ones that I, I couldn't figure out his room because there's obviously the door that goes to the street, but then there's yeah. like a more normal looking door next to the window that Scott like jumps through to yeah, avoid which is knives. like the bathroom right i guess but yeah then, I, like next to the recliner that's next to the mattress there's like another door where he went in and chained no yeah. that's the closet but, and, but like I, oh that could be the closet okay and then you got like the little but then there's the bathroom the <laughs> there's the bathroom next to the kitchenette but yeah so but there's a window that he jumps through which looks like it goes outside so yeah. I don't know. Wallace's cr- little pad there really confuses me. <laughs> and he's got like his his like 1993 computer like on there. That that was a good bit there when it kind of made. Uh, I mean, is there a year this is supposed to be in? Uh, I don't. I don't think they actually say. It's like, hey, it's, it's, Wallace, Amazon.ca. What's the website for that? <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of like like he's kind of like a dunce when it comes to like the internet or even using a computer yeah. and he's like reading that email from the first <laughs> ex-boyfriend and he's like or like he's hitting so like boring, boring. <laughs> he's like delete <laughs> I was, but like the things he was reading like the guy was clearly like threatening yeah. him and like gonna fight him but he was like completely ignoring that it was like this yeah. is stupid <laughs> Yeah, and then like even during their fight, he's like, "Didn't you get my email?" Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I skimmed it. <laughs> you I will skimmed. pay for your insolence. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, uh, there's oh my god, there's so many like great comedic parts and like one-liners and everything in this movie. Um, but before I forget, uh, going back to the music stuff, um, like. It was this all the music and even some of the bands in the movie were, uh, you know, heavily influenced by bands like Beck, Metric, Broken Broken Social Scene, um, Kid Koala, uh, things like like even the Clash at Demonhead is like a character of the band Metric, and the song Black Sheep is actually a Metric song that's kind of a character of their themselves. So it's like kind of the perfect fit to be used for this movie by a band who's like a character of the band who actually wrote the song. Um, but yeah, just the, the music, they, they pay so much attention to the music in this movie. It's it just like, again, like all the other episodes, like it's just executing on those small details and caring enough about every aspect of your show or film is really what makes it like, you know, takes it to a, a new level. And that's one thing that I I completely adore about Edgar Wright. Is he cares so much about every small aspect of his his films. 
Yeah, and I feel like it's, and I think this is where the box office kind of flops come, and or at least where they're prone to these kind of things, because you get a lot of people who watch things like this, or even like, you know, Hot Fuzz, and they're kind of like, what's going on? What am I watching? And, <laughs> right. you know, it's, you know, you never really have an answer at that moment, because one, you're watching the movie, too. But in hindsight, you're always like, well, I'm watching all the things that are happening here. And I'm not just focusing on, like, the dialogue or the character arcs. It's all this other just cool stuff that is happening. That obviously, a lot of times with movies like this, you have to watch them multiple times to get all of it. Yeah. And, like, like I'm talking, like, the little things. Like, even in the opening, like, credit sequence when when the actors names appear on the screen um if they um if they're one of the evil exes mm-hmm. like the number of oh. like which they appear is like yeah. tied to their their name card in the opening sequence that's so, like cool. chris evans he has like an he has like a skateboard and like, you know, two lines, and then it, like May Whitman, like they all have their kind of numbers there, and they're like, you know, images of kind of that represent their characters. So it's like right, yeah, a little it's, foreshadowing. It's neat and like again, those those little details. Well, even like uh, when she gives like they blatantly tell you later in the movie, but when she gives him her number, she, there's the seven X's at the bottom of the card. Yeah. Well, like, you know, Scott Pilgrim, he like, you know, drinks Coke zero. Cause he's like, you know, not an X yet. So he's zero, you know? So oh, like even things that like makes that. Sense. But yeah, man, there's so many, so many amazing parts and like aspects to this movie. Um, what 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 are some of the things that kind of like stuck out to you? Whether it's like a scene or like you know some technique or like thing I, I, that that they use that you noticed or I think mm. I mean generally to some degree. Um, the interactions between him and Ramona were just always intriguing to me because she has just as much of an, a weirdness about her as his character does. And, you know, at first it kind of comes off as like, she isn't that weird, but you know, the more she engages with him and just kind of likes him. I mean, (laughs) she has her own kind of weird, almost like she, Okay, so she kind of, the same way you said, like, the way he kind of sees himself um, is how, like, a lot of these scenes kind of play out. I mean, she does the same thing. Like, I thought it was cool how when she would give the quick little backstory on her, on the boyfriend, on the ex, <laughs> yeah. um, it would, it was that, is that cartoon, that very yeah. basic kind of cartoon sketch. Pretty even. sure that those are, you know, drawings either by Brian, you know, the creator of the graphic novel, or mm-hmm. I haven't read all of them but like they might even just be taken directly out of the books i don't know because the art style is like 
you know, exactly the same as the cover art of the one, you know, graphic novel that I actually own. So, yeah, the that those parts were really cool. I loved how they did that. Yeah. Anything that um obviously Wall any scene Wallace was in, he just had a great character. <laughs> um like you said. And one of I think one of the funnier parts in just kind of commentaries was the vegan ex-boyfriend because oh. um, <laughs> he's you know so far like all the fights have been kind of like tekken style like just face kicking and then yeah. all of a sudden dude it just has like a force field around <laughs> yeah, him and uses like, like a... light <laughs> to like repel him and his attacks and it's just like yeah. hilarious the way they yeah. dude it, it's just like that whole the whole sequence of with you know them going backstage after the clash at the demon head performance and like the way that uh you know envy adams and todd you know brie larson and brandon ross characters sitting on the one couch and scott and and uh, ramona sitting on the other and like knives figure like pieces it together that like scott dated envy and like so therefore they probably like made out and stuff and she's obsessed with clash of the demon head so she's like oh my gosh i've kissed the lips that that kissed you like ah. yeah and like <laughs> todd or like envy like gives todd the nod and he just gets up and decks knives <laughs> in the face and punches her so hard that her blue highlights come out of her hair <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then oh yeah Loki, another one of the best characters in this movie, young Neil. He's yes, just like he's just like he punched the highlights out of her hair. <laughs> he punched the highlights out of her. Hair. Yeah, young uh, Neil is awesome. Yeah, dude, <laughs> and like, yeah, just the whole vegan commentary was so funny, and the fact that Todd is just like really stupid, anyways, on top of being a vegan is hilarious. Yeah, they have that the bass battle was cool and they you know they're also you know they both play bass so like that was like the first thing where kind of like the first battle where um she goes they even have a female drum drummer yeah and then you know and then (laughs) that reminds me of the go ahead finish i don't want to no and then and then in in that and in that battle then you know he fights like the alternative bass you know the same kind of position there I love it in the the first battle with Clash and the boys, and Wallace is like, they're like, "Hey, we're Clash and the boys," and he's like, "Is that girl a boy too?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, Wallace is so great in this movie, but yeah, um, just I loved. I also love the part where Todd's like trying to trash talk Scott, and he's like. He's like, yeah, and the cleaning lady will clean you up on Monday. And he's like, they're all confused. And he's like, because, you know, I'm going to pulverize you and you'll turn into dust. And the cleaning lady, well, she, you know, dusts dust things. And so, yeah, she'll clean you up on Monday. And then they're like, they still, they're like, but why on Monday? And like, just the fact yeah. that they had to like completely explain <laughs> this whole thing is so funny. Yeah, it's just capitalizing that he's just a big old idiot yeah and then the vegan police like burst through the wall 
Yeah, the vegan police were great, and and you know Michael Saris is kind of laying on the ground drinking his uh, you know vegan friendly coffee. Yeah. But then, the, but like the worst gelato. The worst part about all that was that Todd his hair just like fell like flat. <laughs> it was no longer like perfectly yeah. like primmed up there. Yeah. Yeah, I think all the fight scenes were super cool and, like, very well choreographed. So, like, even, it, it kind of, you could also maybe even classify this as, like, a, you know, martial art movie almost with the way the fight scenes play out. Yeah, and what I did not get um, was the ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. What, how did, what... What was it that killed her or got rid of her? Uh, so she's about to stomp Scott's face in and Ramona. Like, I loved how they, like, did it all in slow motion. So, like, it was really hard to kind of understand what Ramona said there. But basically she's like, her weak spots, the back of her knee whenever we would make out, you know. And Scott's like, all right, all right, shut up. That's gross. And so he just, like, touches the okay. back of her knee. And then that's what she said. Yeah. I thought it was like, something well, like that. Well, we would make out touch the back of her knee. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the part there, too, where he, like, totally doesn't get what's going on at the start. And then, like, um, the, like, screen turns to black and, like, his head turns into, like, a parking meter. And it's, like, <laughs> the, the meter sticks on the, like, doesn't get it and then goes to the gets it side. <laughs> like... The little things yeah. like that are like when he was at the house party and he was asking everybody about if they knew who yeah. this girl was and he's talking to the one guy, the hipster looking guy that had up on the stairs hair, part yeah, parted in the middle with the glasses and he's like, Hey, have you seen a girl who looks like this? And he just like whips up a notepad with like a circle with squiggly hair on it. Yeah. Well that uh, dude well that dude's caption was knows everyone, right? yeah 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 um and like every scene that he's in he's always like saying some stupid hipster thing like when they go to the chaos theater at the end he's like he's like yeah you should see him live they're much better live or like <laughs> you know like the, yeah. the first album was much better than the second album and like whatever yeah. typical hipster things say which i kind of like how they kind of made fun of hipsters a lot too which is hilarious but yeah man uh just a lot of a lot of great nuggets in this movie that like to truly explain and like reminisce about all of them we'd probably be here all night but um yeah anything else that kind of you know stuck out in particular to you um i mean yeah there's, there's there's a lot of stuff i mean those are the big things um trying to think if there was i mean i really disliked the last whatever his name was the last like guy oh gideon yeah <laughs> it, it took me a little bit to piece it all that together um yeah. but he was super annoying he reminds me of somebody like it's almost like an austin powers character or something <laughs> um maybe that's what they were going for yeah. um but that fight scene at the end was kind of cool and i like how he uh died but then yeah. came back <laughs> yeah. uh and i guess generally um knives is knives probably had like the best 
character arc because she did kind of she evolved quite a bit throughout the movie yeah yeah her character was really really good um i i love when he you know, like he gets the sword power up and he's like scott earned the power of self-respect yeah first love and then came back and then got self-respect yeah and like all pulls it out of his chest the bottom like pop up they like all go up um also another thing that i i loved throughout the movie is um how it was mainly kim the drummer who would do this but uh in the caddy and Aggie twins battle scott does it mm-hmm. but like right before they'd play like kim would be like we are sex bomb and blah 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 and then they she'd count the song down they'd go into it and like <clears throat> uh during the caddy and Aggie twin ones like scott's like we are sex bomb and we're here to make you think about death and feel sad and yeah. stuff and <laughs> like start playing <laughs> uh but in that last scene um after you know because after the caddy Nagi twin battle gideon signs them to a deal and scott refuses because of... mm-hmm. <coughs> sorry throat's getting dry COVID. um yeah the rona but um yeah scott refuses because he's like i i, I can't play for this guy and like of course the band because that's their dream they just like sign neil takes his place and stuff but when he he goes into the the chaos theater and kim's like we are sex bomb and we're here to sell out sell out stuff (laughs) yeah sell out and yeah that yeah that was a good adjustment there and uh, uh, the first battle the the songs that they played the opposing band where mm. it was just like the one was just like twenty seconds <laughs> Two chords, long. Yeah, was like, yeah, so sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed that. And it, yeah. then he just like then he just like stops and he like turns around, and gets a drink of water. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's then another thing that I loved that kind of played into the making fun of the hipster thing is like when he goes to get in the chaos theater and the, the hipsters are like guarding the door and he's like mm-hmm. the password. And he's like, I forget what he even says the first time, like, like whatever. And they let him in and then, yeah, like, it was whatever. He, and then he like sighs and they're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Yeah. You're in. Uh, and, um, but yeah, so, so basically, you know, the, the plot of the movie, Scott, falls for Ramona and in order to well he falls for Ramona while he's dating knives and then has this internal conflict of not not even really that he wants to like be with knives he just doesn't want to like break up with knives because that's you know, a complicated thing to do so he avoids it at all costs and uh starts dating Ramona and in order to you know, be with Ramona, he has to defeat her evil exes, her seven evil exes, and all the while, while this is going on, his band, the Sex Bombs, are competing in the Toronto Battle of the Bands for a chance to sign a record deal with Gideon Graves, who ends up being Ramona's seventh final and most powerful evil ex, and... Um, 
yeah, funny, funny little tidbit is the movie was completed before the last uh, graphic novel came out. So the movie kind of ends a little differently than the, the, the graphic novels do. But it originally was going to end with Scott staying with Knives and um, like during playtests and stuff kind of didn't really resonate well with the audience as it would kind of like cheapen Knives like whole character growth through the movie if she just like went back to Scott, you know? Right. I mean, um, I was definitely more happy th- the way that played out in the actual movie. Yeah, and and instead, the ending that they changed it to was Scott, you know, being with Ramona. Uh, so they kind of like they kind of like go off to, you know, they leave Toronto. The way I interpreted that, you know, they went on yeah. their adventure. Right. Um, I loved how, like the last fight scene kind of plays out like how the arcade game that that scott and knives played in the beginning of the the movie frequently um even down to after they defeat gideon scott has to to face off against himself as nega scott mm-hmm. kind of like in the the game just befriends him yeah <laughs> he's like yeah he's actually a pretty cool guy it turns out we have a lot in common <laughs> Well, a cool thing about that, in that fight, when I really started liking that fight is when Gideon pulls out his sword, and mm-hmm. it's pixelated, and it, it puts this pixelated blur over the yeah. whole scene, everywhere yeah. he swings it, and like his glasses like are reflecting the pixelation of his sword, and he was the only one that really kind of had that uh, graphic to it. Obviously, that scene was the climax. Um, right. And they really kind of took on the whole game element because they were, it really it was it reminded me of like a, like a Tron like yeah. battle arena with the way everything was tiled, the, that chaos theater, the way it was set up. So yeah, it, the, the, the level of like, man, how do I say this? The visuals in this movie are outstanding and like each battle of the bands and each X fight is stylized so different mm-hmm. that it really it, it keeps even though there's what three battle of the bands and there's you know two seven or six Chris Evans the the bar party fight and the last one three. Three yeah. battles, three. Off- at least, this? at least four to five like fight scenes because mm-hmm. you, they don't technically fight the Caddy and Nagi twins, but like, <clears throat> um, yeah, each one is so different that like even though the main plot device is repeating several times throughout the movie, each one feels so different that like it doesn't get old, you know. Yeah, they're not really the same because the first one, you know, is just kind of like that Tekken fight within the, you know, the kind of Peabody's House of Blues <laughs> yeah. size venue. Um, but then I'll see like the Nagi twins, the roof is blown off and it's snowing in there and it's a huge venue. So like, yeah, they're all very different. Um, 
and they all play out a little different too each time. Like it's not just a KO. There's yeah. maybe two KOs, I think. Um, yeah. Obviously, um, the vegan police come for the other one. And... <laughs> yeah. It's so great. Um, oh, so uh, I'll do <coughs> tell you about two of my favorite scenes. Um, they both actually take place in Wallace's little shack or whatever. <laughs> but, Bunker. Yeah. The, the part where scott walks in and it's like the seinfeld soundtrack and stuff and it's like a sitcom like that (laughs) that part that was really good has like i rewatched the movie last night um i've seen the movie like a hundred times but it had been a while admittedly so to refresh you know i watched it last night and was so excited Uh, but i watched it by myself on the couch in the living room and, like, I probably sounded like a lunatic because I'm just, like, laughing hysterically alone in my living room in the dark at, like, 9.30 at night to this movie I've seen, like, a hundred times already. But that scene, like, <laughs> just the the bass and, like, then you got, like, all of your typical sitcom line deliveries and then you have the laugh track in the background. It was just, like, so tongue-in-cheek and it was hysterical and... um the other scene was well and just that scene in and of itself is so completely like off the wall and different from every other scene in the movie that it's it's another one of those things where you're just like what am i watching right now you know did you kind of get that same vibe i i i enjoyed that scene I, didn't, I don't know if it was that exact vibe i kind of just got what they were doing um i don't know how long it would last but it was cool that they kind of just inserted that bit of randomness into it. Yeah. Like, I love he goes into that one room that we're not really, like, sure what it is. Probably a closet or whatever. But, like, shuts the door and immediately, like, reopens it. And he's, like, in a completely different outfit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but then the other the other scene is the one where it, it's, like, Scott and Ramona's date in the apartment. And just, like, all of the the little things that happen. So, like, first he's like, I wrote this song for you. And, like, he sings it, and it's literally just him singing her name. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I can't wait to hear it, hear it when it's finished. And he's like, what? Right. And then, like, they're eating garlic bread. And, yeah. The, oh, what, it's bread my, it's makes my, you fat? Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite meal. <laughs> I could eat it for every meal. Uh, actually, I could eat it all the time without even stopping. Well, then you'd be fat. (laughs) That was very in character. Like, that fit his character so well. Like, of course, all he would eat is... Because he's in there cooking. It's like, what is he cooking in the kitchen? And it's just, like, this really nice garlic bread in in the (laughs) tinfoil. It looked good, but, like, here it is. cracking, like, actual garlic cloves. So, like, it's probably some gourmet stuff. Yeah. Um, It's all you eat. It's got to be. But then, like, the next part of that scene, they're, like making out or whatever and she's like running her hands through his hair and she's like oh your hair's kind of shaggy and he like <laughs> gets all insecure about it yeah that, got... I, that was I, I feel like that was a weird sequence i didn't really i i got it but it was just weird to me like he should not have <laughs> had that big of an issue with that but he does just the way that like the scene plays out where like they ramona and scott like they keep there are breaks in their action, and then you have, like, the narrator over top who's like, Scott is acutely aware that his last haircut took place 431 days ago. 
and like right. how that keeps interrupting the the acting that's going on and it's <laughs> like it gets me every time i i can't stop laughing um but like i do love how like how insecure scott is like throughout the entire movie whenever it comes to anything with ramona like <laughs> he's so like yeah i guess the only word i can think of is insecure and he like gets so easily offended by like anything that she says that might insinuate something is wrong you know yeah and that's the weird <laughs> thing because you know earlier you're saying how he is confident but he's also i mean he is also like very insecure <laughs> yeah. like anytime anyone says something about his his hair like there's a small cut in the next time it shows him is him wearing a hat like yeah or the hat just like instantly appeared and she was like are are we going on this walk just so you can wear a hat yeah i like walks Uh, yeah um i was watching before you got on uh the blooper reel and um it it was really funny I'll, i'll we can put a link to that in the youtube description along with um a link to all the musical performances throughout the movie um, but <clears throat> that scene where, you know, in the beginning he orders a package from Amazon just so Ramona will deliver it to his house so he can ask her out on a date. Um, but the scene where she arrives and hands him the package and it's the, the camera is like on the floor behind the door. So you, you see Scott's back and Ramona's you know face, um, as she's handing him the package and she hands it to him, and he just, like, throws it behind him, and it goes in the trash can. Like, it took yeah. them 33 tries to do that, and, like, none of that is, like, CGI or edited or anything. It's just literally 33 tries of him getting the package, throwing it behind him, and signing for it, and, like, hoping it would go in. <laughs> That's funny. really funny to watch all that, all those attempts, but... <clears throat> I liked how when she rollerbladed through the street, the snow melted. Yeah, dude. It's because she's so hot, bro. The snow just melts away. Yeah, I thought, th- I thought there was going to be more to that than that, but it w- there wasn't. Nope. <laughs> Maybe that's just how he saw it. Yeah, well, that, yeah, it, go- it goes back to that, um, that little blurb about... Let's see. It's merely the internal perspective of how Scott understands himself in the world. So, yeah, like you're saying, it could totally just be him, like, you know, that's how he sees Ramona. Of course she would melt the snow around her. Um, But did you know? I don't know. You may have. You may not. But did you know that there was a Scott, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World video game? No. Well, there was back in in 2010, which was the year that this movie released. Um So, do you do you call it Ubisoft or Ubisoft? Just wondering. I think I say Ubisoft. I think I say UB. Yeah, that's kind of what I do, but I'm I'm still always afraid to say it, you know. UB. UB Ubisoft. Yeah, Ubi, Ubisoft it sounds like Boobisoft and yeah, so I go with UB. Yeah, but anyway, Ubisoft. Uh, Ubisoft Montreal, um, yeah, developed the game, and it was just a, a side-scrolling like beat 'em up like fighting game, not like a Street Fighter game, but like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like our arcade game, you know. 
Um, but it was it was out on the 360 and the PlayStation 3. And of course, you know, being the founder of the Church of Scott Pilgrim, any any type of Scott Pilgrim media that comes out, I have to consume. So <clears throat> uh, I bought it, and it actually was like a really dope game. Um, Is that on Steam? No, it's not on Steam. Unfortunately, I looked uh, also before we started recording tonight. Um, but I did read that it's scheduled to be re-released in the fourth quarter of 2020 on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Windows, wow. Stadia. Why? So that would be like now. I would Why think. though? Because it's this is... ten ten year anniversary of the movie. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Are they um, gonna re-release the movie in like high definition 4K? Well, they were doing like select in, in theater play-ins, you know, to celebrate. But then you know the Rona happened, so mm. that didn't really last very long. Yeah. Um. Buy that. Buy those. That theater stock. It's super cheap. <laughs> Big rips. Like that makes me so sad. Um, but yeah, so like, I, if you happen to catch that, you know, on the PlayStation store, cause I know you still, you still do have your PS4, right? Yes. I haven't played it in some time and I've let my, um, PlayStation plus lapse. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, uh, own a, a console anymore, which is sad, but also freeing. Um, but yeah, keep your eye out though. If you see that pop up on the PlayStation store. Um, I would recommend picking it up because it's super fun, like really fun. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm glad that you enjoyed the movie though, because I was gonna feel <laughs> really dumb if I hyped it up so much to you, and then you watch it, and you're like, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life." Well, <laughs> the way the movie starts <laughs> off, that was at first where it was trending i'm like hmm (laughs) like what does he like like a lot of like it's not bad but it's not that good to be yeah the favorite but then once you know obviously the first battle of the band started and that all kicked (laughs) i'm like okay it transcended to a new level um here you know there's a lot going on yeah. Other than that, it, you know, it's it's Michael Sarah just being Michael Sarah, such right. a such a such an interesting person. They're like a lot of the side characters. I think were like just as funny and strong as Scott and Ramona and like the main characters. Oh, I, yeah. I would even consider Wallace like a sub main character if that even makes sense like i don't think he was main character level but he wasn't like side character level because he kind of had an important role to play he was um he's morgan freeman in the dark knight (laughs) like he's kind of that level like he's not completely a side character he he's the narrator you know he's kind of like he he plays an important role in uh scott's uh scott's you know telling in his head because he kind of consults in wallace yeah yeah um and that he i just like how progressively toward the end of the movie he's like man you gotta move out i need my yeah, bed yeah. i need <laughs> yeah. my bed tonight and like this week so, yeah this month this year all year <laughs> yeah. he's like he's like yeah i just you know need my bed for like you know sex and stuff <laughs> like, <laughs> 
and i love how like throughout the movie uh there's just always like one more dude in the bed like in all the beds <laughs> yeah and and he's always kind of you know he's always drinking something which i'm pretty sure he's just like actually drinking alcohol even on um, yeah. like the set with chris evans and you know he's just so nonchalant about things and he has his own agenda the whole time but meanwhile <laughs> yeah. he's still paying attention to scott yeah. and like that kind of stuff you know yeah. enough to be where he's like i think the first one he's like evil or no what like the second one he's like evil x and like just yeah, does like the little like point fight or whatever <laughs> yeah because <laughs> like scott didn't quite get it and he's like evil x drinking is like whatever it is yeah. he's like you're famous and you punched me <laughs> uh yeah um but uh, back to what i was gonna say um wallace is an amazing character and like everything that he says in this movie is hilarious and like you're saying his delivery and like his mannerisms and just like everything about wallace is hysterical um and then you have young neil which we kind of touched on where like he's like even dumber than scott which is hard to believe but like again like all of his mannerisms and all of the handful of lines that he had like his deliveries were so funny like <laughs> yeah well even the first one where he's she's like what do you play he's like uh game yeah. boy oh, that's kind Nintendo. of a big question that's kind of a loaded question <laughs> yeah um <clears throat> yeah every everything about young neil is hysterical like even i love that I love that he got he got knighted at the end. Yeah, basically. that's exactly what I was just gonna say. Where at the end in the chaos theater, Scott's like, "Ah, oh, you've grown so much, young Neil. From this point on, you'll be known as Neil." <laughs> he, and he was genuinely happy. Yeah, because um, he was he he became the bassist in the band. He's no longer young Neil. Yeah, he's um, twenty. He's young Neil. <laughs> Uh, but the another the other character that kind of like stole the the show for me um is Steven Stills the the vocalist for the Sexpo Bombs um all of his like just his like how much he loves the band and like how much yeah. like how far he's willing to go for the band and like how again insecure he is about the band like <laughs> um at the first battle, when uh, the the Clash of the Demon, or not the Clash of the Demon, uh, Crash and the boys are playing their second song, the one that's not like five seconds long, and the whole time while it's playing, like he's like literally freaking out, uh, but the music's too loud, so like nobody can hear him. But you just see like all the text of everything he's saying, like flying across the screen, and he's just mm-hmm. like freaking out the the back of Scott's head, and it's, like, <laughs> um. Like how he has the the art easel of like all the bands that they go up against and like the band members and like f- facts about them and he's they're in the green room and they're going through the Crash and the Boys band and he's like oh no oh my god oh, this is a nightmare wake up wake up, wake up. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <He's> like... <laughs> always panicking yeah oh uh, man but they uh, overall. It's a, a very well-rounded movie. It's super funny. The The visuals, even though you know the movie's 10 years old, they still hold up to today today's standards. Um, and They should always hold up the way they did it. It'll always just kind of hold up. 
Yeah, and like while it's not the most creative story per se, the way that it is executed and presented is very innovative and creative, if that makes sense. Because, I mean, it's your typical almost rom-com storyline. You know, guy likes right. girl. It's, yeah, an it's the execution. guy from girl. And yeah. then at the end they get together. But, yeah, just the way that they present well, it to you and execute it is... Yeah, and it, but it's also got that very video game, you know, it's a video game comic book spin, spin on it because of the, almost making fun of kind of like a rom-com because the obstacle is literally her seven deadly ex-boyfriends <laughs> yeah. that he has to physically fight and defeat. Um, yeah. It's just like a very literal translation, you know, it's not subtle at all about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just... I love it. It's it's kind of like a <clears throat> uh, almost satirical take on the genre, you know. Right. And and being a fan of of video games and music and comics, like seeing the tiny Easter eggs, like you know, in the very beginning of the film, most of the sound effects and and music in the background is you know Zelda music, right? Um, you have whenever the, the black character descriptions pop up, um, you know, you have like the Mac error, error sound when you hit the keyboard, you know, the donk sound kind of thing. And <clears throat> just like we talked about earlier, where you have the text of sound effects, you know, that kind of literally make it look like a comic panel on the screen. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a very unique movie. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, would you recommend this to your friends? Yeah, I would, I would recommend, I, I feel like a lot more people have seen it than particularly jump out and say, hey, I've seen it and I love that movie. Um, yeah. I feel like it's something that probably a lot of people saw in the 2010-ish era especially if they were just already seeing michael Sarah movies um and maybe it's just been like a little bit forgotten and i th- i would definitely recommend it um i'd probably watch it again give it enough time just because of the certain characters are just i just enjoy seeing certain people on screen and yeah. characters play out well hey, next time you watch it i want to watch it with you because I love watching this movie with people. It's so fun. Um, but to go, kind of just touch on your last point there. Um, so I, you know, made the the social media posts last night when I was watching this, and shared it on my like personal Facebook page, and like I actually got a handful of comments of people knowing the movie and like saying that they liked the movie that I never would have expected. Mm-hmm. have right. seen it and or liked it uh aside from you know a few people that i like personally watched it with but i was like yeah man so like yeah it's it's kind of a shame that it was you know such a a flop at the box office but like at least <clears throat> afterwards you know 
through the blu-ray sales and and streaming and stuff like that like it did find its way into people's lives and you know those that that have consumed it you know generally appreciate it and enjoy it so i'm glad it's kind of reached that kind of you know cult classic status those things take time sometimes yep yep but uh yeah pretty much i guess wraps up our scott pilgrim versus the world you know dive breakdown recap whatever you want to call this episode um a table read table read that would be so funny especially since you know neither of us are actors so it'd be terrible (laughs) (laughs) um yeah hey if you want that if you guys want to make that happen just say the word i could probably recite it all by memory right now if you'd like but no we 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 won't go i won't make you suffer (laughs) during the table read you're just like no you have to say it like this (laughs) yeah yeah um but hey so yeah I hope you guys watch it. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I have. I, I doubt that that level of fandom can be reached by many, but you know, hopefully this, this movie finds its way into your living rooms and then into your hearts, and you know, you're able to find a deep, deep love for it, such as I. Streaming now on Netflix. Streaming on Netflix. Um, yeah, watch it if you haven't. It's great. It's funny. You'll enjoy it. Um, think that does it uh one last thing here before we go as always if you don't already you can follow us on facebook and instagram and twitter at showboys podcast um please subscribe to our youtube channel uh it's free it helps us out uh like rate review uh the episodes on whatever platform you're you're happening to be listening to this on Feel free to reach out, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, how we're doing. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. We'd like to interact with you. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, there's this tiny show called The Mandalorian. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but, um, you know, we, we do a companion series that releases the, the Tuesday following the latest release of Season 2 of The Mandalorian. So make sure that you check that out every week. Uh, we're two weeks in, and uh, how many how many episodes are left? Six? Six, yeah. yeah Maybe six at the time nine. of this, there's like five. Oh, yeah. Time jumps. Time um, hops. Yeah, we can't, can never figure out. Man, that episode three was continuum. so good. <laughs> yes. Calling um, it yeah. now. Make sure you check that out. Uh, it's been really fun. It's a great show. Uh, apparently, a lot of people watch the show, so it only makes sense to listen to us recap and break it down. Um, but yeah, does it for me. How about you? That's a wrap. All right. Cue the music. Cue the and music.
Anyway, you know, you know what we should do next? We should start a new series under Showboys. Ready for this? Yeah. What's reading? Because we're gonna review books. How exciting is that? Dude, I don't know how to read. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Hey. So if we have any listeners out there that actually know how to read, that would like to do a spinoff of Book Boys with Nick. (laughs) Book Boys. There (laughs) it is. Bug boys.